to me, it's pretty obvious that this is the beginning of the next era of art. Hello, thanks for joining. This is Proof of Change brought to you by ChangeDAO. This is a space to elevate the stories of change makers using NFTs as a force for change. My name is Drew Simon. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Brian Brinkman. Brian is ChangeDAO's spokes artist, an animator, late night TV graphic artist, and NFT artist who has been featured on Artblocks Curated, Sotheby's, Christie's, Superer, and more. Please join me in welcoming Brian to the Proof of Change podcast. Brian, thanks so much for joining today on the Proof of Change podcast. Hey, Drew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, so excited to learn about you and your story. And let's start by diving into your background as a creator and, and artist and what compelled you to enter the wild world of NFTs. So uh, right. you grew up in Omaha, uh, went to art school. You're classically trained in animation and have worked on some fascinating projects, including Saturday Night Live, Sesame Street, and Jimmy Fallon's Late Night Show, which is a pretty cool roster of shows you've been a part of. And then you stepped into NFTs and your artwork has really taken off. You've been featured on uh, Art Blocks Curated, Sotheby's, Christie, Super Rare, uh, among others. So tell me more about your journey. Yeah. So uh, let's let's go back to the beginning, I guess. Uh, when I was young and in high school, I was making you know short animations for websites like Newgrounds and kind mm. of early internet video culture. Um, Newgrounds. No and, way. I remember that from way back. <laughs> uh, and so... <clears throat> that kind of gave me this uh, feeling of I could make a piece of content. I could put it online. People would comment on it and rate it. And you'd get this kind of instant feedback. Um, that was like an instant critique almost. Um, and sometimes it was kind and sometimes it was very mean. But uh, that kind of uh, call and response got me hooked really quickly. And so mm-hmm. uh, I made a choice at that point that I wanted to become an artist of some form. Um, you know, I was in, you know, inspired by a lot of filmmakers, uh, like Tim Burton, who was an animator and someone kind of told me like, well, Tim Burton went to school for animation. And if you go to school for animation, you learn everything about making films and you also learn how to make illustrations and animations and you kind of become an all in one filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went to school for animation. I learned, you know, all these different tools and skills and then after that, I kind of went into the real world, which is uh, a tough, a tough world to jump into. But uh, <laughs> I worked everything from fashion advertising to toy commercials to music videos uh, to animated television series. Um, and throughout all that, it was, you know, a diverse type of jobs, but they all were mm-hmm. building content that was video content for various needs. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, eventually that kind of landed me in the MTV world and then over to the NBC world where I worked at, uh, the tonight show and SNL, uh, technically late night is when I started at Jimmy Fallon. So I was a part of that transition from, uh, an hour earlier on the time slot, but it was fun to like remake all the graphics for the show and kind of redesign and start fresh with the new show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And so throughout all of that time, while I was working those jobs, I was also doing, um, still making content for social media, whether it was Tumblr or Instagram or gallery shows in LA, I still had this bug to create art and put it out there because in the end, when you're an animator or motion graphic artist, you're, you're creating for writers, you're creating for directors. Uh, and you don't, you know, you can, you can put your visual influence on stuff, but you don't have really any creative say. 
So I would do these like Sesame Street music video, like you mentioned, like those are something where they go, hey, here's a song, make whatever you want. And so mm-hmm. I loved that kind of creative freedom. And then cut to 2020, the beginning of 2020, um, I stumbled across NFTs and I saw that as kind of the evolution of what I had already been doing with these galleries and Tumblr. And uh, I was like, well, I no longer have to worry about making my artwork as still imagery uh, and physical imagery. I can make animated image, you know, I can make animations and sell those. And that idea of, you know, back then it was like animated GIFs. So it was like, well, what can I make in a three second loop that tells a story is visually exciting and then, you know, lives in this new world. And so when I joined the NFT space, I kind of threw everything out the window. I started fresh and I started building a new language around uh, associated colors and imagery and other things. Um, and so, yeah, and that, that's kind of led me to where I'm at now, where I've, I've kind of expanded on that for the last two and a half years by playing with animation and generative art and programmable art and all sorts of fun stuff. That's awesome. Wow. And that's quite the journey. And, you know, I was just kind of thinking as you were saying that, thinking about all your different experiences um, with the late night shows and with Sesame Street and with, you know, Newgrounds and Tumblr. And I was like, you know what? The vast, vast majority of people that are listening in on this podcast have probably been exposed to your work in some way, right? Whether it's through one of these TV shows, whether it's through your NFTs, whether it's through, you know, something you posted on Newgrounds or Tumblr. And that's just crazy to think about kind of the reach because you've been in so many different just areas, which is which is incredible. And um, so looking at NFTs now, uh, I know that there are a lot of listeners that, that might be listening in because they're kind of considering their own journey to the world of NFTs and, you know, whether or not it's a good fit for them and their style of artwork. Um, now, I don't have to tell you about the noise that's out there. Obviously, it's a pretty chaotic space. <laughs> There's a lot happening. And we don't have to talk uh, talk about what is and isn't art, but you know, at a more pe- personal level, from artist to artist, how do you recommend an artist, you know, start to learn more about this new medium and canvas and whether it's a good fit for them and their art? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. Um, when, like I said, kind of when I joined, I started fresh, and what I did was I I looked at the space, I looked at super rare, I looked at what people were creating for a few weeks before I, I dove in and I kind of saw what people were doing and where I could fit in, in my own corner of that, as, as opposed to kind of jumping in and trying to emulate what's popular. I looked at what wasn't being done. And I think that that's mm-hmm. a great way to kind of look at the space and see where you can kind of approach it in a new, interesting way. Uh, especially as opposed to maybe, you know, as an artist, I could have went and I could have said, well, I have, you know, 20 years of old art, I'm just going to mint all that and make those NFTs. But that's, you know, to me, that's like creating merchandise of what you've already made in a new form. And so I I always recommend artists kind of throw all that out the window and create for the medium, whether the artwork is about the medium or whether it's utilizing aspects of the technology to gamify the artwork in different ways. Like it's better to create for the space than to try and, you know, import past things into the space. I've always seen a lot of artists kind of do that and they always kind of fall flat because when you go back to 20 years of work, then your supply is kind of huge. But if you're only creating for this space, then you're kind of starting small and you can build your supply and your value slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Absolutely. And so I know that a big part of your work as well is, uh, you know, 
social impact or change and using your art as a way to to drive change and two parts to this question here and I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on you know on this idea of change makers and and how nfts can can help drive change and, and empower change makers i'd love to hear your, your thoughts on um artists as change makers um you know there's obviously a history where artists have been at the forefront of many changes and changes and movements you know whether it's uplifting those in times of despair or or using their art to to deliver an important message or to support a cause or or just to explore something beautiful. So tell me about what your thoughts are on the idea of, of change maker as an artist or artist as a change maker. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it's something that's always been the case. Artists have always been on the forefront of social change and kind of just putting important information out there. I mean, you look back at like the 80s and how many artists were elevating like the AIDS epidemic or if you mm-hmm. look at the 70s and Vietnam protests. And so um, I think crypto is the same way where, especially now, instead of those moments that were more localized to regions, uh, crypto is giving us this opportunity for kind of this international eye of elevating issues all over the world. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to elevate changes in your local area. I've, I've done uh, charitable drops for, you know, places out in California. You can do it for Ukraine. You can do all these cool mm-hmm. things and you're reaching a totally different market of uh, not just, uh, you know, education, but uh, investors and supporters and philanthropists all over the world that can participate because crypto doesn't fall into all these different tax laws of maybe nonprofit ish, you know, things. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And yeah, I think when I joined the space, I was within the first year, I, I did an interview with uh, Josie Bellini, who did some really amazing uh, kind of change artwork. And that was one of her things was like, as soon as you find success in the space, find ways of giving back. Um, And so, yeah, I'm often uh, optimistic about doing charitable drops because one, uh, you're elevating and helping good causes. And two, uh, when it comes to like selling artwork, it's very low stress when you're selling artwork that it's all going to a good cause. Like, it, it doesn't matter to me if it like sells high or low, it's all good. And so I, I kind of enjoy the, kind of the carefree aspect of that. And I think collectors do too. They go into that and they're not as worried about, um, you know, the value of it because they know it's all going to a good cause. I mean, I think there was, there's a drop going on right now that will probably be over by the time um, this podcast airs, but it's, uh, I think John Knopp uh, put out a piece that's for women's reproductive rights. And it's just an open edition. That's going to just raise a hundred percent of the money uh, for women's Mm -hmm. reproductive rights. And it's like, perfect example of like just crowdsourcing huge fundraising uh for a cause you care about using art and so i think you know that's something we're going to see more and more and more because the opportunity to make a change with this technology is growing very quickly yeah and i think you touched on something interesting there um because we're recording it right now on july 6th uh, it's the date that we're having this conversation and you know i think it was about a week and a half now is when uh the supreme court um struck down Roe v. Wade, um, obviously a horrific blow to a woman's reproductive rights. And since then, you know, we've rapidly seen the Web3 community respond, right? We've seen a number of uh, NFT drops that are raising funds in support of uh, reproductive rights and, and charities that are uh, advocating for and delivering services uh, to women uh, to, to help uh, build movements to organize. We've, think, we've seen new DAOs emerge uh, 
you know, in, in a short period of time. And I think it's just incredible. And, and we saw the same thing after uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. You know, we saw Ukraine down merge. We saw all these different NFT fundraisers that resulted in tens of millions of dollars, everything collectively and in, in funding getting to organizations working on the ground in Ukraine. And I think it's just incredible how quickly yeah. uh, the Web3 world and, and those that are using NFTs for good can res- can respond, right? And and, yeah. and just quickly mobilize and, and crowdfund. And um, what are your thoughts, I guess, on how NFTs have kind of changed the the charitable landscape in that sense? Well, NFTs and crypto in general, I mean, going back to Ukraine, the fact that the government set up an Ethereum wallet for donations, for international donations, is an incredible step that I don't (laughs) think uh, we wrapped our heads around quite yet. Uh, That's huge uh, in terms of like, you think about like how our government like gives them money for weapons and defense and all this stuff. But like the fact that everyone in the world had the opportunity to just give them as much money as they wanted in defense of a war is just an insane it's an, it's it's so cool you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so i i think like you know th- there's going to be more layers to that as people start to go okay well how did that money get used whatever but um i think that to me is like a huge step forward showing how crypto is like changing the landscape of everything um and then nfts are a way that you know where that was sending money nfts now present an opportunity in this uh, charitable world as a, a badge of support. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, uh, there used to be like, people would wear like, you know, protest uh, pins and stuff like that. Um, and I think those are, you know, NFTs are the new pin that forever shows that you were a supporter of whatever cause at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, I think we'll see more and more interesting uses like that. Yeah, absolutely. You can, uh, act as your proof of change, so to speak, which is exactly. obviously the name of this podcast. And I think that that's a, exactly, you know, yeah, a great point. And I think to that point of, <laughs> of you know, the Ukrainian, Ukrainian government uh, creating a, you know, an Ethereum wall. And I mean, it's just crazy to think about, right, that somebody in, let's say, um, California could send money to Ukraine in a matter of minutes, you know, low cost, mm-hmm. um, no intermediary, you know, as opposed to having to maybe go through a bank or some sort of processor and, you know, pay a hefty fee and maybe it takes a couple of days to process and, and get there and, and then get to the account of the, of those that are using it. Right. So it's just, it's so crazy. And, and yeah, I've never seen anything like it where, you know, a government like that has just kind of, you know, directly solicited, you know, funding from, from just the broader global community. The whole which is world. Really, yeah. 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 It's crazy. And to they think got about. a lot. I mean, yeah. it probably made a huge impact as to, you know, where they're at right now in their defense. So it's, Absolutely. it's, it's fascinating. I'm, I think it'll be something that will be researched and looked back on more, but in the moment it's all chaos. So who knows? Yeah. Now, before we move on to the next question, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this episode, NFT Go. NFT Go is an all-in-one NFT analytics platform that includes NFT alpha by ranking, rarity, whale tracking, drops calendar, and more. They're a huge supporter of ChangeDAO, so make sure to check them out at nftgo.io. Um, so obviously you've done a lot of, uh, charitable NFT drops as well. I'm, I'm curious to hear about some of them. Is there any, uh, one or two that are particularly memorable that stick out? Uh, well, yeah, the first couple I did were for this artist, Colby does a cat charity mm-hmm. where it like, it's like a homeless shelter for cats in LA that kind of rehabilitates awesome. kind of injured cats. And that was a fun one just because that kind of exposed 
me to charitable NFT drops. And then also it exposed my work to a lot of OG artists and collectors that might have not otherwise seen my my work. And so, you know, when you think about like where value comes from, it's those type of moments. It's like you're even though you're giving your money to a charity, you're getting value in that you're getting you know eyes on your work. You're elevating a cause. It's again, it's all this like kind of feeling good all around opportunities with NFTs and charities. Um, one I did recently was on uh, Nifty Gateway. Actually, yeah, I'll talk. Two I did in the past few months. One was on Nifty Gateway, which is for the Venice Family Clinic, which is a um, Venice, California beach area, but also all the whole city of Los Angeles. They provide health care for the homeless community in L.A., which is a, a staggeringly large number of people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a great opportunity to do a, a piece that uh, helped the homeless and elevated this great charitable cause. Um, and so that was one where like 100 percent of it all went to charity. Uh, the same thing uh, last week or two in NFT NYC, I did one. Uh, for NFTC, which is NFTSEA, which was a, a big event that had um, movie theaters rented out that were showing artwork and music performances. It was really a wonderful experience. Uh, and a, they got a bunch of artists to create posters and they auctioned all of those off for uh, Alex's Lemonade Stand, which is like a children's cancer charity. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's like small things like that that don't take much effort, but they're just, you know, any, any little bit goes a long way to helping donate to these causes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. Um, and I'm excited to see what's next. Um, cause I know that this is a really big part of your artistic practices, taking part in these uh, charitable initiatives, which is, which is fantastic. And so I want to shift the conversation now, uh, to change Dow. Um, you are mm-hmm. a huge part of the change Dow, uh, core team, of course, uh, serving as the spokes artist, um, and you're really helping the team learn about all the challenges and problems that you and your peers face when they want to use NFTs um, as a force for change and, and to use your artwork to enact uh, meaningful impact. So um, what are some of the challenges that, uh, that NFT artists face in um, being able to, you know, A, get off the ground and then use their NFTs to, to enact positive change? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess I joined the ChangeDAO team almost about a year ago, exactly. Um, at the time, I was kind of pitching around this small idea of setting up a ENS address that was a charitable ENS address called like Charity DAO or something mm-hmm. that any artist could do a multi-split to that, and then people would decide where the money went based on who donated what. It became a little complicated, um, and then. Uh, I met David through um, a mutual friend and he kind of said, Hey, I'm building this idea. And I was like, well, I have this idea. And we kind of meshed our ideas into one. (laughs) Um, And so from that point on, it was like, okay, well, what are the pain points as an artist? Um, Oftentimes it's, you get hit with tax implications on sales. And so you either uh, lose money by donating or you have to take out a certain amount for taxes and you don't end up giving as much as you said you would give. And that looks weird. Um, and so it was like, that was one aspect. And then the other aspect was, uh, as a curator of drops talking about, like say Coldy doing that cat one where there was 20 artists, each artist was minting on different platforms, whether it's super rare or rareable or, you know, a different chain like Tezos trying to, 
bring all those under one roof, getting all the money claimed afterwards. There's a lot of headaches when it comes to putting on a charity drop for a cause you believe in. And so uh, with ChangeDAO, we worked to one, solve the, the, the funneling of money in a way that uh, helps all three sides, which is the artist uh, gets a tax rebate, the collector gets a valuable piece of art, and then the charity gets all their funds and nobody gets hit with any sort of negatives in that sense. Um, and then the other aspect is kind of being able to curate and put together drops with groups of artists. And so um, I'm really excited to, you know, now that the site's starting to launch, we're starting to see it work. And I'm now I'm, I'm excited to see artists start to utilize it for these both of these reasons, both as a solo and as a group curated show. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And uh, just to go back to, I, I love the the story that you mentioned about um, running into David and kind of merging your ideas into you know, what ChangeDAO is now. And I think I've heard that story so many times from change makers and founders in the Web3 space. And I think that's one of the things that's so special is that it's just that collaborative neighbor, nature and then we're all just kind of figuring it out. We all have these amazing ideas and then, you know, you connect with others and it's like, boom, you know, it's like, wow, you want this, I want this, these, you know, we have this shared vision, let's make it work. Let's, you know, let's merge these ideas. And I've just seen that time and time again. And I think that's, that's so cool. And um, yeah, I love that those, uh, well, those are some important challenges that you mentioned. And so with that in mind, what led you to, to want to participate in building change down? What excites you about this, this platform, given the challenges and problems that you just mentioned? Um, yeah, I, well, like I said, I was already kind of in that mindset of like, oh, this would be a, a fun thing to build that, you know, especially in a way that there's no downside to it in my mind. Like the, the worst case scenario is a bunch of charities make some money. And mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and so I was like, Oh, this is great. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's been an interesting journey over the last year of like looking at situations, seeing the nonprofits perspective, which I hadn't really seen prior. Um, and then seeing the artist perspective, which I can bring to the table and, um, but then, you know, how do you how do you make it a solution for everybody involved? And then, yeah, I've learned a lot also about like uh, contract and uh, Web3 solidity development through this as well. I mean, the team at ChangeDAO is incredible and they've been working for a year to build this platform. Um, I, I don't you know, a lot of things happen in the space and people feel like it's made in a week or two. But it's it's amazing to like realize uh, how much work goes into every little thing. Um but yeah, I think where, where I connected with David and then, uh, we brought in Kelsey, who was someone from my like discord that was like, I have a charity thing. I I'm interested in this. And then seeing how mm -hmm. she became a huge part of it. And then like Peter as well, early on and Jeff, um, it's interesting. Like we all have different, completely different perspectives and backgrounds, but we all wanted to build this thing that solved all of our problems at the same time. Uh, and so it's been really awesome to kind of see it meld and change and evolve and, uh, you know, see where maybe we took a wrong path in the development here, but then we pivoted and now we're over here and it's better than it was because we all recognized and fixed that. I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm answering your, your initial question anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> no, just, absolutely. It's just yeah. fun to see, it's fun to like see it, you know, it's, it's, we're all cooks in a kitchen and now the, the, the restaurant is open. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, right? Uh, because every Web3 project is really kind of a mishmash of like just 
talent from from different sectors and and backgrounds. I mean, nobody like grew up being like, I want to be a Web3 founder or developer, right? Because it just didn't exist back then. And so everyone started in different areas, you know, whether it's as an artist, as a uh, you know, a tech founder in a in Web two, uh, someone with a legal background, someone in the nonprofit sector, and then they all just kind of come together and bring their talents together in this amazing new space that is Web three, uh, where really there's there's space for everyone to bring their talents, which is incredible. And I think that you know, ChangeDAO uh, certainly exemplifies that. Um, and and on that note of yeah. the Web three community, uh, it's no surprise that you're uh, extremely active in the Web three community. I think that I've heard someone refer to you as the mayor of NFT NYC before, or something along those lines. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, you speed a lot of events. You've participated in tons of podcasts and Twitter Spaces, um, collecting all sorts of artworks. Have been a part of many different collaborations. Um, so tell me, what do you? think about the the culture of web3 uh, is it an open and welcoming space um, are there is there anything that we need to improve on to make sure it is the most inclusive space possible so yeah when i kind of going back to when i joined the space back in 2020 it was a very different community it was a very different attitude it was a lot of people coming out of a multi-year bear market and so you you kind of saw a lot of people that were kind of hardened cared about the space cared about the art you started to see the art side pick up, but a lot of, you know, we were selling stuff for the equivalent of, you know, 0.1 ETH or something now. Um, and we were over the moon because people were buying digital art. It was, uh, it was a new world that was being built, mm-hmm. even though it had been built for years and years prior, it was starting to come together and we were starting to feel like that was happening. Um, and so everyone then was supportive. We were all buying each other's art because we thought it was really cool. Um, and I think that attitude is still a part of the space. But then we started to see once, say, Beeple made millions of dollars or NBA Top Shot made millions of dollars or Bored Apes made millions of dollars, then it became this uh, this kind of hype machine of oh, this is a way to make a lot of money really easily. And that brought in a different sector of people that didn't necessarily appreciate the technology or the art. They only appreciated kind of this like stock market volume um, aspect to it. And so what I've seen is a fraction of those people come around and they start to discover the art and they become art aficionados and collectors and they see the bigger picture. And then a lot of those people either made their money and left or they lost their money and they left angrily. Um, And so I think now that we're back in a bear market, what I'm seeing feels more like what it was two years ago. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, where we're at now and going to your idea of inclusivity, are we more inclusive than we were back then? I think so, because one, there's cheaper ways to onboard into the space. There's more markets that are open to the public. Mm -hmm. Um, Super Rare has now become a DAO that uh, if you want to get on it, you can latch onto these spaces or other ways of onboarding. It's a lot easier to get into these marketplaces than it was, whether it's through Nifty Gateway now has a verified uh, drop mechanic and they're going to have other ways of kind of bringing more artists into those ecosystems. So I, I do think as an artist, it's as easy if not easier now than it was mm-hmm. a year ago um where i think we have to get better is the inclusivity of you know 
uh, genders and minorities and that, you know, that kind of space needs to be better. Um, And part of that is on the curator side and the other part is on the collector side. I mean, as an artist, collect everybody, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. elevate everybody that it starts, you know, a lot of people think that there's these like these whales at the top that are tastemakers. And there is truth to that, but every collector and artist has a platform to elevate and share other artists. And Mm -hmm. so that go, you know, what you buy uh, expresses your sentiment as much as what you share on Twitter. But in the end, a retweet is free. Anybody can elevate everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing I've seen in the past little bit as well, and um, since I started back in around 2020 as well, when I really started to get in this space myself um, is just a, an amazing growth of these, you know, woman-led, minority-led uh, projects led by folks from the LGBTIQ community that have really taken off, and it's kind of almost formed its own like sub uh, community as well of, of folks that are really invested in an inclusive Web three, which I think is incredible, and it just blows my mind too that you've only been in this space for about two years. I'm sure it probably feels like ten years, considering how you know fast things have have changed and. Yeah. Um, you know, what you said about the bear market, I think that's, you know, that's interesting. And it's certainly a silver lining is maybe it's an opportunity to shift the space away from that kind of speculative nature, um, that kind of flipping, if you will, nature of, you know, let's just uh, mint and flip uh, to one where it's, you know, let's really support an artist for the beautiful art that they're creating and the, the community that they're creating around it, which I think is so powerful. Um, and if you could really, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, if you could think back to when you started to now, what would you say is the most kind of profound and positive change you've seen in the NFT community? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think what's interesting about the NFT space over the traditional space is that it allows artists to tell their stories more effectively than ever before. Um, whether that's through clubhouse or Twitter spaces or blogs or Twitter threads, um, that kind of aspect was usually told by gallery owners and they would, you know, they would kind of be the gatekeepers of your story. Um, now this space has kind of given everyone a stronger voice. And I think that's what is interesting is because before I would look at Instagram and I would see art or something and I'd be like, Oh, that's really pretty art. But now I have a personal connection to these artists. I'm hearing why they make art, what it's about. Mm-hmm. There's a deeper understanding of art in general that I think is stronger in this space than has ever kind of been before. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that that's really something cool about the NFT space as well as the ability to really kind of attach your story to the artwork and uh, to build a community around the art that enables you to really tell your story and give more meaning behind it, which is incredible. And um, so shifting now, I know that, you know, obviously you started in 2020 and the height of COVID-19 and a lot of, you know, stuff was virtual. Um, but now we're really making that shift back to IRL events and, and building that community in person and kind of merging the metaverse with the, you know, reality, <laughs> the real, real verse, whatever it's called <laughs> in real life. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so you've taken part in a lot of events and I know that you recently, participated in uh, Change DAO's GM Coffee for Change event at NFT NYC mm-hmm. that was hosted by Postmasters, incredible, incredible gallery and organization uh, that you also took part in one about a year ago at NFT NYC as well. Tell me about your experience and vibe uh, from those events. Um, 
I, I love them. There's something that uh, I believe David kind of spearheaded with them, uh, which is at the beginning of every event, they pass around the microphone and they let anybody in the audience talk about what change they believe in, what charities they're working with, what projects they're doing. And I love that aspect. I, I mean, I'm not big on speaking, even though I'm a spokes artist for Change Down, uh, but I, I find that part of it the most exciting and interesting because you see all these people that came to listen, giving, give, they're all given the opportunity to share. And I think uh, from that, you immediately get to know all the people in the audience. And then you immediately have a connection that you can go up to them afterwards and talk to them and say, hey, I love this mm-hmm. project you're doing. You know? So I, I really find that part exciting and different from any other events I do where it's kind of a, you know, it's not a interactive experience in that sometimes there's Q and A's, but it's not the same as that. And so I really love that about the GM coffee events. Um, and then, you know, I also love speaking at it. I also love being on the panel with amazing artists that I'm, I'm lucky to call my friends. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of those events. I love in real life events. It really has, it changes how you look at NFTs. I think that's where we talked about earlier about like, people that kind of come and go from the space once they have that in real life moment where they go to one of these conventions, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where it clicks and it changes and people go, Oh, this isn't just about flipping. This is about the connection to other people. And that's, you know, the value isn't just in the Ethereum floor cost of a collection, but it's in the connection you have to these other people that you're like-minded and, you know, on the same page with. And, I think that's where you, you you really get a sense of what projects are doing well because they have a bunch of people show up at an event and meet. I, I often say that PFPs are kind of the post-college fraternities <laughs> that we all participate in. Like I went to art school. I didn't have a fraternity or anything like that. But, you know, I have a board eight and every month or so you go into the city to a board ape meetup and you meet up with a bunch of people that have these board apes and you talk about what they're building and you supporting their projects. And that that's very much what a fraternity is mm-hmm. in, a, you know, outside of the, the ideas of parties, which there's parties, don't get me wrong, but um, it's, it's a, it's a networking social circle. And each of these PFPs have that and artists like X copy. I went to an X copy bar and it was just a bunch of people that collect X copy. And so those same type of communities form around artists. And I think they'll form around causes they care about Mm -hmm. as well when it comes to change makers. And so again, I think we're all just building these kind of circles of communities around uh, different NFTs. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. And I think that that's such an important utility when it comes to NFTs, right? Is that ability to build a network, a community around it. Um, and, and yeah, I think that we're just seeing that uh, grow more and more. And, uh, you know, obviously NFT NYC was huge. And despite it being in the middle of the bear market, it seemed like it was anything but at the event. And just seeing the community and all yeah. everyone come together was, you know, even though I wasn't there and watching from afar, uh, was, it was really, really quite cool. And something you said there really stuck out as well around you know, sometimes just going to those in-person events, something just clicks, right? And you're like, okay, this is where I'm meant to be. This is my community. Um, I'm curious if there was a moment for you where it kind of clicked. Um, for me, pre-in-real-life pre would have been, um, there was a weekly meetup for you, and they still do it, called the work the WIP meetups in CryptoVoxels. 
um, which is run by Rizzle and Matthew. And um, once a week, all these avatars get together in a, in a space and then they have speakers on stage talk about their projects. That for me was a, 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 a quarantine version of it clicking and saying, okay, these are all real people getting together excited about this technology. Mm-hmm. This is cool. Um, the, the next thing that happened in real life that did that was uh, this project called Artifacts that Roger Dickerman created. Um, basically took over Times Square and put a bunch of artists work on billboards in Times Square. And I met up there and I met a bunch of artists I'd never met in real life. And we all got together and got to celebrate art being digital art being displayed in Times Square. That was a moment where I was like, okay, this is now, you know, there's a substance to what we're doing here. And it wasn't just seeing the art on the billboards, but seeing all these artists in the same place, excited about meeting each other, excited about their art. And that was like a moment where I was like, okay, this feels, this feels like something. And that was, you know, that was right around the same time I went full time into NFTs as well. Cause it was like, okay, this is, this isn't just a, a moment. This is a, a new career path. This is a new ecosystem of work that's being created. Um, and I, it was just so exciting that it's like, you can't, you can't miss that opportunity to take part in what I still believe is an evolution of art. I think we'll look back and think of this as like the equivalent of like the punk era in New York, where um, back in the eighties, all these like-minded bands were in CBGBs making art. And now you look back and go, Oh, they created a whole wave of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's Andy, you know, what we're seeing now, we're, we're the new Andy Warhol factory, these NFT hangouts in the city, you know? So, uh, it's it's to me it's pretty obvious that this is the beginning of the next era of art wow well that is a amazing point to end on the beginning of the next era of art and yeah i I couldn't agree more and i'm excited to see how it plays out in the coming years and and decades which will uh, be so exciting to to be a part of um so thank you so much for taking your time to share your story today um i could speak with you for hours and i'm sure we'll hopefully have a chance again (laughs) Keep this conversation. Going. Well, we luckily we do speak to each other on that a regular is true. basis. That is true. Absolutely. So, uh, well, we can hopefully bring your story back to listeners again at some point in the in the not so distant future. Uh, but in the meantime, what what are some ways that folks can find out more about your work to follow you and and maybe reach out as well if they have any questions? Yeah, I would say the best way is Twitter. Um, and then, if you want to go deeper, I have a Discord. If you want to go even deeper, I'm going to start doing an e newsletter. Um, and so, yeah, I think. Twitter is the best way. That's the most up to date. Um, so Brian Brinkman on Twitter, uh, B R Y A N. Um, and that, that's, I would say that's the best way to keep up with me, but I have a lot of things coming out all the time. So just gotta, you know, keep in, keep in tune there and then discord I'll post as well. Awesome. Great. Well, of (laughs) course, you know, all those will be in the show notes, uh, so that you can follow along, but, uh, Brian, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for all the great work you're doing and uh, all the best to you. Thanks so much, Drew. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for joining today, and a big thank you to Brian for sharing his story. This podcast is brought to you by ChangeDAO and is produced by me, your host, Drew Simon, founder of CryptoAltruism. Thank you to David All for his production support and to Soul Monster for the beautiful graphics designed for the podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe, rate, and write a fair review for our podcast. And make sure to visit changedow.org to follow along and check us out on Twitter at ChangeDow. For those listening in, I hope you'll join us for our next episode where we welcome another extraordinary changemaker and continue this movement of change, one story at a time. Thank you.